0: Will you please turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians 1. The guys have some Bibles marked at Colossians 1 as they make their way to the back. If you need a Bible, just get their attention. They'll give you one of those. It's yours to keep. Bring it back each Lord's Day as we look at God's Word together. Colossians 1. At the beginning of each year, we devote a few weeks to recalibrating the ministry for the coming year. Last week we were reminded that the church is a body in which each member plays a vital role. We saw that the local church, the local expression of the body of Christ is united, it's diverse, interconnected, compassionate, and dependent. We saw that from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And that translates then into actions in which each member is to be engaged. We attend and we serve, give, pray and read and study God's Word. For those of you that are on our mailing list, I sent an email to you, the five mornings of Monday through Friday this past week, with reminders about all five of those, and in some of them offering resources to help you keep the resolutions throughout the year. Today we conclude the two-part series Resolved to Be the Church. Next week we'll devote the service to the commissioning of Pastor Rich and Tracy to the new work In which they'll be serving in two weeks it's sanctity of life and so we'll devote the message to that theme and then the last Sunday of this month we'll return to our series in the book of Psalms so why do we do this each year take a few weeks at the beginning to remind ourselves of our work and how we hope to carry it out in the coming year the idea of doing this kind of thing is foreign to many Christians because we've too often adopted an ethereal view of the church that sees it in a spiritual in the sense that it just operates by mystical means. We don't plan and consider and strategize as all of that sounds all too secular. And after all, the church is a spiritual organism that's to be run differently. Well, it is certainly true that the integrity of the church and the camaraderie of its members who are not in competition like in the work world and with the dependence that we have on God for our directives and our accomplishments all of that is quite different from other endeavors and many of the means that we use are not those of a business or another secular institution we sing and we preach and we teach and we pray and we give and we serve so indeed The local church is, in many respects, unlike other organizations, many important respects. But it is still an organization, not only an organism. And so it has some things in common with other organizations. The trains have to, so to speak, run on time. Things need to be planned and ordered. And this was, by the way, true in the New Testament, as the book of Acts records the early church meeting together to plan and implement and evaluate their ministry efforts. Now, ministry and business don't mix well, and the church is most definitely not a business, but it is an organization for which sufficient attention must be given to the details of its operation so that it can move forward. Last week, I mentioned that many Christians have a vague and ill-defined understanding of the local church, many believing that it's just wherever two or three are gathered together in Jesus' name. But the Bible presents more details than that. My theology professor in seminary called all that the Bible teaches about the local church, and he came up with this description. The local church is comprised of true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, baptized as a public testimony, organized with the biblical officers of pastor and deacons, sharing a common faith or body of biblical truth, observing the ordinances of baptism and communion, carrying out the Great Commission and meeting at regular and stated times. He went on to quote the 19th century theologian Augustus Hopkins Strong, who said, it is not merely informal, but formal organization in the church to which the New Testament bears witness. And he cited no fewer than 13 indications that the institution of the church in the New Testament was formally organized. And so lest we fall prey to the life cycle that other organizations, including churches, experience, we step back for a few weeks to make sure that our objectives and our goals are understood and that they're aligned. Because all organizations go through similar phases that I've shown you over the years. We call this the church life cycle, but it could be called uh, any organization's life cycle. And it starts with a dream. You could replace the word dream with with vision, but the same idea. And there's a difference, though, between one who is a dreamer and a visionary. A dreamer has a good idea, but a visionary has a, a good idea and a plan to get there. But either way, it starts with a look at the future, a compelling look at the future, about which the original group then gets excited and wants to move forward. Twenty-two years ago, we planted our church with seven adults and eleven, or excuse me, seven adults and four children, eleven people total, and we were in that very situation. But then coming out of the dream, the group gathers around shared beliefs and, and values. What is it that is going to be the engine that's going to drive our, in this case, new church? We establish then, if we are wise, goals and timetables to monitor our our progress. But in order for those things to move forward, there has to be some structure that helps them do that. It's not enough to just have the vision, the values, and the goals. The organization needs structure to hold together and advance, and that includes the local church. And having done all of that... The pinnacle is you engage in in ministry. You're doing the work. You're carrying out Christ's mission. Now, if it just ended there, then everything would be swell. Everything would be great. But human nature being what it is, it does not just end there. If you rest on your laurels, you will then... See, there's a descending side of that slope. (laughs) And you will then go down that side of, of the slope. And that's seen in Nostalgia. Remember when we used to do this. And then, if that goes on for a while, it moves to questioning. You know, do our leaders really know what they're doing? Do we, do we have a direction? Why are we doing this stuff? It seems like we're just spinning our wheels, aren't we? Which then, if that is allowed to go long enough, results in polarization. Camps develop some taking the position my church right or wrong others saying I need something more. We're not Nothing's happening here. We're not moving forward and I don't know uh, uh, Why we're doing what we're doing and then you let that go on long enough and you begin to see dropout that's the death knell of a church or any organization and Many of you have seen this many of you have experienced this in churches this very thing That we have on the screen. So what is the answer? How can it be avoided? Well as you are doing ministry. Instead of allowing the downside to inevitably take over. The idea. Wisdom dictates. Renew the vision. And then go through the same upside of the cycle. And so you see that. You dream again. And you reestablish the beliefs and the goals. And the the structure. And you, you do ministry. And you continue to do that and this is a big part of the reason that we do this then every year we do not want to get on that downside of the slope and so this this morning we conclude our state of the church addresses for 2024 with part two of resolved to be the church but so that we do not forget the spiritual reasons for which we are organized as a church this morning we're going to look at our church's theme verse colossians Chapter 1, verse 28, for direction and for authorization of what it is we do. And I'm going to include some of our progress and plans along the way. So let's ask the Lord to help us now as we do. Father, we're before you as your people. And Lord, we are completely dependent upon you for the success of any, of the, in any endeavors that we undertake, any of those in our lives, any of those in our, our careers, any of those in our our families, and certainly so in your church. Lord, we desire to see gospel success. Success in terms of seeing people come to you and grow in you and bring glory to you. But Lord, we're dependent upon you for those results as well. We desire to be faithful. And so help us as we consider being the church throughout 2024 And beyond the things that we need to focus our attention on in order to be faithful to what you've assigned we pray this in jesus name amen now you should have received an outline when you came in this morning as each week and i say first of all that our ministry is centered on christ our church's theme verse is colossians 128 which says he is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Now that verse can begin with he, without identifying who it is, because he has already been described in some detail in the verses preceding. The rest of the verse tells us what we do, and in these first-of-the-year messages I focus on our responsibilities and privileges and our methodology for achieving God's purpose for His church. But of course, we never want to forget why we do what we do. And that has to do with the one that we proclaim. In the verses prior to this one, several things are said extolling the Lord Jesus Christ. After giving a greeting to the church at Colossae, the church to whom this letter was written, the Apostle Paul, who wrote it, encourages them in verses 3 through 14 by describing the good things he knows about them and for which he regularly thanks god and then at the end of that litany he points to the reason all of these good things are true about them at the end of verse 13 he says it's because of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness the forgiveness of sins Because we have this redemption, what verse 13 calls rescue or salvation, we are members, verse 13 says, of a new kingdom. The kingdom of the Son, who is described in majestic terms, starting in verse 15, with seven unique characteristics of Christ. Now from verse 15 through verse 20, these six verses are the fullest description in one place of Christ's person and work that's found anywhere in the Bible. These verses tell us these seven things, that he's the image of God, the firstborn over creation, the creator of the universe, head of the church, firstborn from the dead, the fullness of God, and the reconciler of all things. Now I'm going to explain each of those quickly so that we begin this new year as God's church and we have necessity focus on what we want to accomplish in the coming year, but so that we do not forget why and for whom we do it. First, Christ is the image of the invisible God. Like the head of a sovereign imprinted on a coin, so Christ is, says the writer of Hebrews, the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being. Jesus said, anyone who has seen Me has seen the Father. Anyone who saw Christ, the visible manifestation of the invisible God, has thereby seen God indirectly because john in that same gospel said in his first chapter no one has ever seen god but god the only son has made him known christ is the perfect resemblance and representation of god second christ is at the end of verse 15 the firstborn over all creation Firstborn does not mean he came into existence at some point in time, because the next verse says he's the creator of all things. He created everything, but he himself was not created. The word firstborn is translated from a Greek word that can denote either priority in time or supremacy in rank. In this passage, it's both. Christ is before all creation in time, and he's over it in rank and in dignity. So Christ is the perfect representation of God. He's, he has supremacy over all of His creation. And that's because of the third thing that's said about it. In verse 16, In Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Christ is the one through whom all things came to be, and also the one by whom they continue to exist. His creation, that is what He has made, includes the entire universe, both material and immaterial, visible and invisible, including the angelic realm. Whatever supernatural powers there may be, Christ is the one who made them, and He is their Lord. Fourth, in verse 18, He's the head of the body, the church. Besides being the Lord of the universe, he's the church's head. This is one of two handfuls of references that I mentioned last week to the church as the universal body of Christ. I said last week that the Greek word ekklesia is used 114 times in your New Testament. A few times it's just used generally of any gathering of any people, not of God's people in particular. And then uh, there are uh, nine references in the New Testament to the universal body of Christ. God's people everywhere, no matter where they are, not confined to a particular location. This is one of those references. The other 99 are used of the local church, a local church like this. And so Christ is the head of the body, the church. And fifth, at the end of verse 18... Beginning and the firstborn from among the the dead, it is said. He is the beginning and firstborn from among the dead. Jesus was the first to rise in an immortal body. Now, you may remember, Jesus is not the first to have ever raised from the dead. Jesus, in fact, raised some people from the dead. But Jesus is the first one to rise in an immortal body. And so he heads a whole new order as its its sovereign. He was, as 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter says, the first fruit, since unlike others, he rose never to die again. And he has been raised to the right hand of the Father, and he's been given all authority over his church and over his world. And sixth, in verse 19, all the fullness of God dwells in the human Jesus. He is God and He is man in one unique person, fully God and fully human. Seventh, He's the reconciler of all things. Through Him, we're told in verse 20, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Through the work of Jesus and His life and death on the cross, He's made the way by which sinful people can be reconciled to Him. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that when the full number of His people are saved, reconciled to Him, the creation itself will then at that time be restored. And in the new heaven and new earth, all things will be restored to their original design because of the reconciliation that Christ has achieved. So, the why of our ministry is Christ. Why do we do it? Because of Christ. He is the one we proclaim. He is the Lord of His world and of His church, including each of us individually. We do what we do for Him, that the praise will be rightly His for what's accomplished through His people and in His people. Our ministry is centered on Christ. And, I say in your outline, it's offered to everyone. The verses prior to our church's theme verse in verse 28 from verse 21 through 27 deal with how the Gentiles in the city of Colossae were outside the people of God before Christ and the worldwide great commission of which Paul and we are a part in verse 21 through 23 is what brings them, brings them in. In verses 24 to 27 Paul speaks of his own ministry in building up and expanding this body that is Christ's church, and he, it now includes Gentiles apart from any need to become Jewish proselytes. It's a mouthful, but in the first part of your Bible, prior to Christ and his, his work on the cross, God worked through a people and a nation, and if other people were going to be part of the people of God, they had to become proselytes, adherents to uh, the jewish uh, jewish religion and customs he says here though that the church has jews and gentiles on equal footing before god and that is according to verse 26 a verse 26 says a mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the lord's people the church then with jews and gentiles as equals is new as the Gentiles according to verse 27 have Christ in them that's a benefit of the new covenant that Jesus inaugurated the need then to minister to everyone is underscored in verse 28 where although it shows up only twice in our English version version the new international version that I'm speaking from and that many of you have in front of you the word everyone only shows up twice In that that passage, verse, verse 28. But it's actually there three times in the original Greek. So instead of admonishing and teaching everyone, it's admonishing everyone and teaching everyone so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. There's this emphasis upon the fact that it's everyone. And for the church, it's Jews and Gentiles. And we are going to see everyone includes unbelievers. Our ministry is offered, I say in your outline, to unbelievers. The two terms, admonishing and teaching, in verse 28, refer to giving our message to two different groups of people. The first one is for people who are not yet Christian, the second, for those who already are. So we admonish unbelievers, non-Christians. That word admonishing is a translation of the Greek word nuthateo. It's a concept which can broadly be defined as loving confrontation with the truth for the purpose of change. It's translated variously in the New Testament as instruct or counsel or warn. In this context, it refers to lovingly confronting unbelievers with the gospel for the purpose of conversion. New Testament scholar Curtis Vaughn says, Here it relates to non-Christians, the thought probably being that we seek to awaken each of them to his need for Christ the word translated proclaim in verse 28 it's not the common Greek word for preach and so one commentator says it perhaps has a wider significance than the more common word for preach in Paul's writings and so this communi- this is communication of the gospel in both formal and informal settings it's not just what I'm doing now behind a pulpit in a more formal setting but what you can do what all of us can do when we're talking to someone across a fence or over coffee or at work. So if we're going to be a a church that lives up to the requirements of our theme verse, then it means that we will give the gospel in our personal interactions informally, but also in formal gatherings. We admonish by proclaiming the gospel to unbelievers personally, individually, and our church collectively wants to partner with you by more formally evangelizing when we gather together both in our worship service but also especially in our second hour discovering God and the courses that we offer that are designed for that very purpose if we give the gospel when we gather then it should give you confidence to invite those for whom you're praying and with whom you're working so that it's the combination of what you do informally and what we do formally now i mentioned our our second hour discovering God Two times this coming year, in the spring and the fall, we'll have series specifically designed to help you, as we've done for for years, invite non-Christians to hear topics about which they may be interested from Scripture and then connect those to the Gospel, like we did uh, just recently in the God's Design for Sexuality series. And as we try to structure in order to obey what Colossians one twenty eight says and to reach unbelievers. Here are some of the things that we have been planning for a very long time and that I want you to know that we are still working on. Sometimes at the beginning of the year, you know, I go through, this is our long-term plan, and I say we got several things in it. And then I think some of you, you know, may think, you know, I think you forgot about that. You know, are we still doing that? And that's why every year I want you to know, no, we haven't forgotten about any of it. And thanks be to God, we're able to make some uh, progress on them. So one is our counseling center. And we've continued to work on a development of our counseling center. And this past year, uh, God brought to my attention uh, through Pastor Matt, our, form- our former pastor, associate pastor here, when I was down in Florida with him earlier this past year. And he mentioned that he had come across this organization, Foundations uh, Christian Counseling. And the idea there is that this is an organization that will come into your church and they will establish the center for you. And so they do a lot of the infrastructure and the paperwork and all legal stuff and all of that. And I'm very interested in that because one of my mantras is do not reinvent the wheel. So if someone else can can do it and you can partner with them, like we did with the uh, Pregnancy Resource Center, then that's the kind of thing we want to do. So we have met with them uh, upwards of a dozen times uh, by by Zoom and by by phone over the past uh, ten months or or so. And the hope is that this summer or in the fall that they are going to be we're going to have the beginnings of a foundation center, but a foundation center that's located located here. And we also, one of our projects that we've been working on is uh, the community cares category. Uh, That is a name that we just give to mercy ministry through our church. As we try to minister to unbelievers, one of the things that we want to do is, yes, of course, give them the gospel. But we want to, as Pastor Larry said, adorn the gospel by showing mercy to people, showing that we are people who love them and care about their, their needs. And that's why We've called it Community Cares. It's mercy ministry. And an example of a mercy ministry is indeed the Downriver Pregnancy Resource Center. I appreciate the ladies who have partnered with our friends at Evangel to, to do that. Uh, Leslie and Sarah were the two that were on the video. There are actually several more who are part of that who I think were camera shy and so they, uh, so they weren't on there. But uh, thank you to all of you who are, are doing that. And you have an invitation to participate in that. And further, uh, in the years to come, under that umbrella of mercy, ministry, and community cares, we want to do other things to show the love of Christ to people in our community. So if you have a burden for a particular area like that, we want want to hear it. Now, I just issue one caution on that. Uh, I appreciated very much that Sarah said during the video that the end goal of this is to be able to share the gospel with people. And so that's what we're about. Remember, we proclaim Him. So the stuff that we do is not just social work, as important as that is, but it's social work for spiritual work. It's social work to show people the love of Christ in order to give them the gospel of of Christ. So whatever it is that we do under the umbrella of mercy ministry, we must always keep that in mind. And so our ministry is offered to everyone. It's offered to unbelievers in various ways, and it's offered to, I say in your outline, to believers. Admonishing in that theme verse, verse 28, refers to communicating the gospel to non-Christians. We do that informally and formally, but teaching in that verse refers to instruction to believers in the way of Christ, building them up in the faith by the Word of God. Such teaching is to be done, the verse says, with all wisdom. That is, since wisdom is the application of knowledge, then our teaching will apply what we know about our hearers and about their needs to the teaching task, it'll inform how it is that we go about it, and so our church is structured in order to try to do that, in order to try to establish believers in the faith and see them uh, flourish in their faith in an ongoing way, and so many of you have seen this chart for our spiritual growth process over the years. Don't know if you can read that, but you see right in the middle there, it's got the yellow around it. And then you've got the yellow four words, the one on the left and then the three uh, going vertically on the right, learn, love, and, and live. Learn, love, and live. And in the middle, those are the core classes, how to get the most out of your Bible, a master plan for life. So we've intentionally designed our offerings for teaching so that you get grounded in the faith, get grounded in the Bible, and then you can build your Christian life upon that. And so if you've not taken advantage of those, then I encourage you to do that. And there are ministries around each of those objectives of learning, loving, and, and living. The learning takes place for those core classes in our community institute midweek. But then on the right, the love God, that's worship you see there but then love others as community groups. And we've designed those for you to be able to be in the space of other people so that they can know you, you can know them, and the more you know them, the better you can love them. So I encourage you to be a part of that, as part of the structure of our church, to try to build you up in the faith and then live for His purpose. Find how it is that God has gifted you and then be placed in ministry to use what He's given for the purpose for which He gave it. And we have community service ministry for that so everyone means then everyone here every believer but it also means going and finding more finding more uh, people who are currently unbelievers seeing them come to Christ and then as a result of that we become the epicenter church that we believe God has called us to be if we all do that that means the ripple effects go outward and we're able to plant churches as our church is a plant. And so we are partnering with another group to help us do that. Uh, Just in the last six months, uh, I've been invited, we as a church have been invited, to be a part of something called the Healthy Church Network. Now many of you know the name Chris Anderson. Chris Anderson is an author. He's also written uh, uh, some marvelous music, Uh, He's a former pastor, and now he's with a missions agency called Biblical Ministries Worldwide. Our church supports Chris. He's been here a couple of times. And Chris, as part of his work with Biblical Ministries Worldwide, has started this initiative, the Healthy Church Network, so that they're not only doing work with missionaries in foreign lands, but they're also trying to plant churches and strengthen churches here. And so they want churches to partner with them to do that. Well, he contacted me about that. This is something that has been in our long-term plans for a good while. In fact, one of the things in our 10-year plan is for us to have a, a healthy church conference here. Well, as a result of Chris's invitation this March, just in two months, our church is going to be hosting a regional Healthy Church Network meeting Uh, for this very purpose so that's an exciting development and it's a it's a step forward for us now in order to do all this stuff it requires of course resources resources that God gives to his people and then his people give back to God in order to further the Lord's work as we expand then we have to expand the structure uh, to support the expansion and that's why uh, in July, we're going to be taking on a new a church staff member in Billy Cochran. And that means that we're going to have additional expenses for uh, paying for, for his salary and benefits, but it is another exciting development. But all of it is, involves resources. And so that means that, that we give. And every year at this time for the past few years, I've been giving you some statistics about uh, our giving. And so quickly, I want to do that again. What I did a few years ago was I asked our finance team to give me a breakdown of households, no names associated with it, but just households, and then segment that according to uh, giving ranges. And they did that, and I remember it was about five years ago, the first time I did that, and I gave a statistic that said we had about 30% of the people that are associated with our church who give nothing. And I remember there was a gasp, an audible gasp in the, in the congregation. And so I decided every year I'm going to give this so that hopefully we will see improvement as we, as we go. Well, I'm thankful that, indeed, that's apparently having some effect. We still have, you know, ways to go, but I'm thankful for, for progress. And so our finance team gives me these ranges, and they, they start with uh, zero and and. Last year, the number of people who gave nothing was 17%. That's down from the 30 that we had a few years ago. But uh, this past, uh, in 2022, it was 17%. This past year, it was down to 9%. So we want to get the zero people down to 0%. Okay, And so bear that, bear that in mind. And then the people in a range from just up to just $100 during the, during the year... Uh, that actually went up from 3% to 5%, and the range from $100 to $1,000 through the year went up from 15% to 17%. But the good news with that is um, that may be because some of the other ranges uh, increased as well, that people were actually giving more money moving out of some of those into the, into the higher ranges. And so as you look at from 1,000 to 5,000, that one stayed about the, about the same. 5,000 to 10,000 uh, a year uh, went from 19% to 22%, went up. 10,000 to 20,000 a year went from 8% up to 11%. And then they just ended at over, over 20,000. And over 20,000 uh, went up from 1% to, to 2%. So those upper ranges all... All went up and so everything is moving in a good direction with that and i thank god for that and i commend you for that uh, but let me give you some average giving and median giving the average giving for our church last year in 22 was forty three hundred dollars forty three oh two per household average average this past year went up by almost six hundred dollars per family four thousand eight hundred and eighty five so that's that's very good median giving went up as well it was twenty two hundred per household and now it's twenty five ninety eight twenty six hundred so that went up four hundred dollars now you know what median means though median means that you've got people on the on the top end that are giving a lot and then you've got people that that are are not And $25,98, $2,600 for median, if you just use a 10% standard for that, that means that the household's income, entire income, is $26,000 for the year. And that's not true for very many people. It's true for some people. It's not true for very many people. So I give that to you to say we want to continue to see those, those rise. Why? Because God says to. Not because I say to And so we want to be faithful with what it is that God has given us. But thank you for your faithfulness in seeing that improvement. And in order for our long-term goals to be met, we are going to need to give together, give regularly and give sacrificially together. And then for the big projects that we have, like the Counseling Center and like Planting Churches and something else I'm going to tell you about in just a bit, uh, we have given you a tool called Free Will. And the church has paid for this. We've told you about it but it is free and it's free for you to make your will (laughs) and for you to leave a legacy and I encourage you to do that. And so you can go online and you can create your will and as part of that, you can leave a legacy for the church's ministry here. So our ministry is centered on Christ. It's offered to everyone and it's aimed at, I say in the outline, maturity. Because verse 28 of our theme verse says that we wanna present everyone fully mature in christ christ is the standard romans chapter 8 and verse 29 those god foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and so we want to present colossians 128 everyone fully mature in christ what that means is romans 8 that we are conformed to the image of christ that we think and talk and act like jesus Those are the kinds of disciples that we're trying to create. Now, in order to do that, a church needs to have proactive ministry. And that's what we call the road to maturity. In the second hour starting today, second hour starting today. So if you were to hang around for second hour starting today, which I would encourage you to do, I'm starting a series called Full Service Church, and I'm going to be talking about that. And how our church this year in 24 is implementing ministries that are proactive to help people at each phase of life that we all go through before they get there. So there's proactive ministry, but then there is also what I call reactive ministry. That's counseling. That's why the Counseling Center. And that's why we have people right now and have had for the last, over the parts of the last two years, getting training through the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation School of Biblical Counseling. So that as we partner with Foundation's Christian Counseling, these are people who then can populate that and do that reactive counseling. A crisis occurs in somebody's life and we're able to help them with that so that they're not derailed in their growth in Christ. So I'll talk about more about that starting second hour today. Our ministry is centered on Christ, offered to everyone. It's aimed at maturity And lastly, it's achieved by synergy. I've just always wanted to use the word synergy in in an outline. But it means that it's a combination of energies, a combination of working. And so it is ultimately God's work, but it's us working with God in His mission. In verse 29, says, Paul says, to this end I strenuously contend with all of the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. When he says there, I strenuously contend, it's a Greek word, agonizo. To this end I agonize. I give it all I've got. But that work is powerful because He's powerfully working in me. Synergy. You see this in Philippians chapter 2. God works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So here's the great news, friends. God can get this done. God can get this done through us as we work with him in carrying out his mission here at CBC. Now, we have a 10-year plan. We are six and a half years into our 10-year plan. And we are making progress on some of the larger items in that 10 year plan, like the counseling center, like the road to maturity, like the community cares, uh, community cares uh, mercy ministry, like the church collaborative, church health thing. So I wanted you all to know that. And I also want you all to be reminded of the 10 year plan. So we have it, we have copies of that out on the welcome desk in the lobby. I'll just explain what that paper is because people get confused about it and then we'll be done for, for today. But what you'll pick up there has a front and a, and a back and it is a, it is a journal entry. It's written as a journal entry in September, on a Sunday in September in 2027. So three, about three and a half, over three and a half years from now. And at the end of that, it talks about the kinds of things that have been accomplished through our ministry. So we're looking forward in that to the kinds of things we want to see God do through our ministry. So have that in mind as you read it, and I hope it will excite you as it does me that we're able to make concrete steps in that uh, good direction. Here's your take-home truth. The work of Christ's church is to make and to mature disciples. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being your people, first and foremost. We thank you for the privilege of allowing us to be your ambassadors and your mouthpieces in your world. Lord, you do not need us. You can accomplish your work any way you choose, but you have chosen to give us the privilege of being your church, your representatives, your body, visibly, in your world representing you and so Lord thank you for that help us to see it as the privilege that it is and therefore desire to do it well help us as the body of Christ united here in this place for a time such as this to band together unified with our diverse gifts using all that you have given for the purpose for which it's given in order to advance your cause in this region and beyond and Lord we will give you the praise that you deserve for all that you accomplish we pray in jesus name amen let's stand together for our closing song